to start being honest with other people, with each other, I would say this, it first starts with being honest with yourself. If, if you're in a struggle or you feel stuck with being authentic and honest with your brother or your sister, there's a reason for that. And you very likely are not being honest with yourself. When you think of truth and lies, that's the great struggle, isn't it? All the way from the beginning of time. The devil, when he tempted Eve, the serpent in the garden, He made it sound that what was truth was actually designed to deceive and was actually a lie. That's what lies intend to do is they look like the truth, and, but at the same time they try to make the truth look like a lie. You know, thinking of the way that the Jews view Christ It was mentioned that most Jews would maybe agree that Jesus was a good man. But that's a very deceptive and a false assumption. And it's, it's foolish. It's foolish to think that Jesus was a good man. Either he was the Messiah, because he claimed to be the Messiah, he claimed to be the Son of God. Either he was that, or he was the biggest con artist and the most evil person to really walk the face of the earth. You can't say that he was just a good man. He claimed to be the Son of God, and either he is, or he's a deceiver and is against God in every way. I don't think there's a middle road. It's truth and lies. The great struggle. I want you to think of a phrase, a little quote, if you will, and it will make sense in time here, but this thought, truth will go its way. Truth will go its way. For those that were around the campfire last Sunday, we talked about having faith as a grain of mustard seed, and that it will remove mountains, that you can say with faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed into yonder place, and it, would obey, it will obey you with faith. So, the, the thought that tr faith moves mountains 
is a very common thing. In fact, if you go out and ask anybody if they've ever heard that thought, they would say very likely that they have and perhaps have even thought about it, maybe even a good bit. A lot of songs have been written on faith moving mountains. That was a question that was very perplexing to me back in 2010. And that, in a lot of ways, is what brought me to a point of giving my life wholly, surrendering my life to Christ, was the perplexing thought that this was a verse that was so familiar to me, and we read about it in several of the Gospels, but Matthew 17, verse 20, is a is one of those places where Jesus said, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. That verse I was requoting, I was rather I was yelling it to myself on the way home from work one day when I realized how miserable I was. And that I had known that verse all of my coherent life and had no idea what it meant. It was that realization that really brought me to the point of surrender. And my life was changed from that moment of time. It's never been the same. But did I have a good understanding of what it meant? I had a better understanding of what it meant for faith to move a mountain. But I would have never claimed to have a good or even a satisfactory understanding of what it meant. But it was the question itself that brought me to a point of surrender and, and changed the way that I thought. Because I realized that I was not the Christian that I claimed to be. And it was a simple, it was a simple act of, of looking at my life and saying I have nothing to show for my claim. I claimed faith, but yet I was living miserably. But with time, over time, over a number of years, I would revisit this thought of faith moving a mountain. And one of my first great realizations was that I had a wrong, a wrong interpretation of what faith really is. And I realized that really everyone around me had the same interpretation of what faith was, and that was that if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, a small, small faith can move big, big mountains. That's in, in me saying that, you've probably heard something like that repeatedly throughout your life. Even younger children would have probably heard that phrase. But Jesus said that the kingdom of God is as a grain of mustard seed that a man cast into the ground, and then it grows, 
and becomes greater than all herbs, and it grows great branches, and the birds of the air lodge in the branches thereof. That's faith as a grain of mustard seed in action. So we see, and there's other examples, I suppose many we could use, but faith must be a growing faith. It can't stay the size of a mustard seed. Faith may start out small, but it's what faith does. And in 1 Corinthians 13, we see Paul referring to faith. And he says it this way, though I have all faith so that I could move mountains. He says, if I have all faith, though I have all faith so that I could move mountains. So that goes in line with what I feel the real context is of the word faith, of using the example of a mustard seed is that our faith must be active. It must be growing. You can't take a mustard seed and sit it on the counter and say, there is an example of my faith, and that's all I need, and therefore there's no mountain that will stand in my way. So I realize that, but then the mountain part. That, that realization for me was more recent. And as I'm talking about faith and mountains, I want you to keep that phrase in your head, that truth will go its way. So, I often thought by default, I suppose, that mountains were our trials. And we all, I think, consciously or subconsciously agreed that we have a trial when it was mentioned this morning. Trials are, I, I picture my life on a busy highway and trials are the, are, you know, the, the busier the road, the more trials we have. You know, it's, trials are a, a common part of life. And again, many songs have been written on the fact that faith moves mountains and and the songs that I'm aware of, anyway, would say that, would give the context that mountains are those trials, and that whether actual or, or more hidden, the message is that faith will move your trial. And some of you heard me mention that I would disagree with that. But I didn't used to. I used to think that is the meaning of the text, that faith moves mountains. But I've come recently to think of it much differently, and that the mountain is not actually your trial. It's what you believe about it. In fact, I'd go as far as to say it's the lies you believe about it. And so then that brings up the question, for you personally, are you believing lies about your trial, and if you are, then where all are you believing lies? Believing something that really is not true. 
Think about that. You may never have thought about that in the past, so I, w- I really would ask you to give it serious thought about if you think that you know, you, you're now at a point of decision of, am I telling you the truth or not? Is a mountain really a mountain of lies? Is it falsehood? Is it idolatry? Or is it your trial? There's a tremendous difference. And so that's something that you have to decide. And depending what you decide can change the course of your life. It's that serious. The great struggle, truth or lies, when when Jesus was on earth and he, he talked much about the truth. Many things that he said, I said, I, he, he would have started out by saying, I tell you the truth. And then he would give a statement. And one thing that Jesus said was that anyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now that's a, that's a strong statement. Because if that's true, then the opposite has to be true. And anyone who's not of the truth does not hear the voice of Christ. And it's, you can see how that will take you two completely different paths. I want to give you some examples, and maybe it's my way of convincing you that what I'm sharing with you is the truth. And if so, then I really hope that I convince you. But I want you to think about this, that mountains have always been significant in the Old Testament to the children of Israel. But without going into a lot of detail, many of you would already know this when you think about it, that whenever the children of Israel left the right path of serving the one true God, and they began idolatry, what they would do would be to go to a high place or to a mountain and would sacrifice to the gods or to an idol of some sort. When a king would come that would decide to serve God, one of the first things he would often do would be to destroy the high places. And if he served God but didn't destroy the high places, it was significant enough to mention that in Scripture. The writer would, would note that. He, he, his heart was, was not perfect before God. He did that what was right, but he did not destroy the high places. I want to give you an example in Scripture here of that. So there was a king, and his name was Jer- Jerome, Jehoram. I think it was actually pronounced Jehoram. So it had been the son of Jehoshaphat. And when he became king, he was a wicked king. And it says he made high places in the mountains of Judah. 
and caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to commit fornication, and also compelled Judah thereto. So he was a wicked king, built high places. And I'm, I'm sharing this to give us an understanding of how a Jew would have taken the statement that Jesus made that if you have faith, you can remove this mountain and it will be, and it will be moved. And there's other accounts where he says it will be cast into the sea and it should obey you. So there was a king then that came several generations later that was a good king. And when he became king, it says, All Israel that were present went out to the cities of Judah, and they brake in pieces and cut down the groves and threw down the high places. They threw them down. So, metaphorically, and maybe in many cases actually, the truth, and remember when we talk about the truth, what we're talking about. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, whatever's true is actually from Him. Now, we can decide to be true in a very physical, present, instance-based sense, and that's a good thing. We need to be honest, like we had talked about. We have to be honest with each other, and that starts by being honest with ourselves. That's, even if you're not a Christian, that pays off. I heard someone say recently, I've been listening to quite a few different discussions, and I have enjoyed listening to, uh, I believe his title's doctor, Dr. Jordan Peterson. And he, some of the thoughts that I'm getting this morning, I would have gotten from him. But truth, truth is, is of all importance. It's the thing. And so even if you're not serving Christ, even if you don't name the name of Christ, truth actually is something that will benefit you, even in, in a physical sense. And I gave the example to the intermediate class this morning how that is how that is true in, in a physical sense. When you decide to be authentic and true, then you actually are, in, in a maybe a basic sense, you are who you were created to be. You're not trying to deceive yourself. You're not trying to hide. You're not trying to manipulate the outcome, which is often the reason we decide to be deceptive. And often we use the truth, or at least a partial truth, to be deceptive. And I think it'd be a very, it can be a very real thing, whether it's for a youth maybe breaking curfew and trying to explain to your parents and, and you sugarcoat it to try to make so you don't get in trouble. It can be something like that. It can be something, it can be on our taxes um, where we decide, you know, the government's not going to use this money for what I would want them to use it for anyway. 
And so I'm going to do things under the table, okay? And, and so what you do is you decide, to, you make a decision to benefit you in, in the short term, right? You, you can get out of something by being deceptive. But Jesus said that he is the truth. And he also said that, that the devil is the father of lies, right? So you have this truth. Are you going to be truthful or honest in your decisions? But then, but then you have a greater truth. Maybe you call it a transcendent truth. And that is reality. That's bigger than just saying what's true in the moment. But when you say what's true in the moment, you're aligning yourself to walk down the path of truth. And in, in many ways, you, be, you become an entirely different person when you just decide to be honest and authentic, starting with yourself. It, it's a step of faith, really, because you don't know what the outcome will be. And that was a new thought for me, but I believe it to be very accurate that truth was already decided for you. And think of this in your trial. This, this can really help you because I think your real mountain is not your trial. It's, it's the lies you believe about it. So it starts with being honest, and it, it's not going to always feel good to be honest, you may get in trouble or you, you may hit a, a place where you don't know where to go next. But remember, truth, truth is truth. Truth was something that was already decided and you don't know what the outcome is going to be. So truth, tr deciding to tell truth and then, and then having faith. And again, this is not an original thought with, with, with me, but I believe it to be true that when you decide to be truthful with yourself first, and then that allows you to be truthful about your situation and truthful about uh, two other people. That when you, when you decide to, to actually take that step, it's a step of faith because you don't know what the outcome's going to be. It, it may not be pleasant. But in the big picture, that's, then you're going to be actually aligning yourself with truth and, and you're going to have faith. The faith of it is that, that the outcome, whatever happens, is going to be the absolute best thing that can happen. I think that thought came from uh, a conversation I heard with, with Jordan Peterson and, and maybe someone else he was talking with. But I love it. I really love that thought that faith, that truth is actually a step of faith. In fact, I've come to think of truth and faith as being the same thing. When, when it comes in a biblical context, faith and truth, truth and faith, because you're actually trusting in truth. And so when you decide to be truthful, you are, you are taking a step of faith, and, and the step of faith is realizing that the outcome, whatever it is, is the absolute best thing that could have been. The alternative, then, is to, is to be deceptive. And that often that's because you try to manipulate the outcome. You want it to turn out a certain way, so you decide to, to be deceptive. And, but then you're operating under a, a larger system where Satan is the, is the father of it. And I've heard this, I've heard this uh, as well, that many people, 
And when you think about it, you think how, how terrible. But, but maybe, maybe you, in some ways you're, you're guilty of it. Maybe I have been at, at one time or another, but we, we probably all will know of people that we think they're on this path. But they're willing to leave servanthood in the kingdom in order to be a ruler, a ruler of darkness, a ruler of deception. Because really what happens when you take control and try to manipulate an outcome and it works for you, well then you had power over that situation and, and you end up being a ruler of sorts. And then the further you get on that path, the more you're going to be ruling your domain, but you left being a servant in the kingdom to be a ruler of darkness. And when you think of it that way, the higher up you get in in the kingdom of darkness, the more foolish you've become, the more you've lost. In fact, the highest ruler of the kingdom of darkness is the devil, and he's the biggest, he, he has lost most. He's the biggest loser in, in this battle of truth and lies. And it, it can, when you think of the, the implications, it's pretty serious. And it, I think it should make us really think seriously about the moment and our situation and our struggle and our trial and really give some serious study to what is the truth about it. Because often what we think is true could be stemming from very deceptive assumptions. And so when Jesus told them this, I think the Jews knew exactly what he meant. And when you look at the Old Testament references of a high place, a mountain being idolatry, symbolizing the, the symbolizing falsehood, symbolizing everything that's untrue or that's deceptive or, or lies. And so, Remember, we said faith and truth is the same thing. And I believe it to be so, but you have to decide that. Think of when Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Okay, think of this. And, and does it seem accurate to you? Truth as a grain of mustard seed, which is a growing, it's, it's a realization, it's walking in truth. It's walking in the right path of truth. Truth Will, will move falsehood. It will cast falsehood away. It exposes falsehood. And suddenly this opens up a whole new realization maybe of what Jesus was talking about. It is time to close. But when we look at it that way, and when we, when we then look at the example that it was, you know, when He gave it, it's when, it's when the disciples tried to cast a demon out of a boy. That's one of the times he gave this example here in Matthew. He, he came up to this group of people and, and saw the situation unfolding, and they asked him to cast the devil out of the boy. And so I think details matter. And one thing that really caught my attention was that Jesus said, O faithless and perverse, which the word perverse means to misinterpret. 
So they did not understand because they were believing lies. Believing lies always, always obscures, keeps you from seeing the truth, even though it doesn't overpower truth. It does for you because when you decide to walk in a deceptive, deceptive path, you become uh, overall a very confused person. So when he saw the, the situation, he said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I put up with you? Is basically what he said. And so I, I really am impressed with how, what we can gather from this story, which, by the way, has been, a, I think, a perplexing story for many for a, a long time. When he, when he came there and he addressed the situation, the first question he asked was not about, not to anyone but the Father. He addressed the Father, and he, he asked the Father, how long has he been like this? And the father said, of a child. And what's interesting, then, that told Jesus something. And so he turned all his attention then to the father. And he said, all things are possible if you can believe. If you can believe. I thought it was my child that was being tormented. Well, such was the case. But he talked to the father, and he said, all things are possible if you can believe. So then the father said, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Think about that for a little bit. And he said it with tears. It actually mentions tears. So when you see the description given there, I would have to, to say that for the father there was a repentance and there was an acceptance of the truth there in that moment. And so, in a large way, the, the torment of the child was, was because of the father's house of lies that he'd built, what he was believing in. It wasn't actually true. In fact, the entire Jewish religious system was, was a big lie because anytime religion you know, true religion is taking care of the fatherless and widows and their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. The religious system of that day was full of whitewashed tombs that, that looked good on the outside but full of dead men's bones inside. And so someone that was believing in that was, was full of uh, confusion and, and lies. Maybe that's where the, the father found himself. Maybe it was in, in, in that situation. It could very well be. But then he repented. And, and based on that repentance, and this comes into play later, the, the, the demon was cast out of the, the child. And then later the disciples came and said, why could we not cast him out? And then Jesus addressed two different reasons. First one he said, well, it was because of your unbelief, because if you had faith in what's true, you would have driven away the lies. The lies have to go first. And then by virtue of the lies being gone, 
And the truth being there, truth sets you free. So freedom comes from realizing the truth. So that's the first thing. It was something for the disciples to understand. But then he said, how be it, this kind comes forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. I want to just read you very quickly, and I hope you can bear with me being a little bit late here. But in Daniel, and I'm just using this as an example to get us, help us to give it a better understanding. Uh, so Daniel was repenting, which is often what fasting and prayer would signify, is repentance. And so here he was repenting in Babylon for the nation of Israel, repenting before God for him and for the people. And he says, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession. And he repented. And so, doesn't it seem to just fall in line when he said, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. He was saying, the Father needed to repent from the lies. And when truth came into the situation, there was freedom. That mountain, which would have been symbolic of the high places, idolatry, worshiping what they thought was true and it wasn't, that was removed when truth came into the picture. And there was freedom. Isn't that a beautiful realization? And so how does that, I want you to think now, how, how can that apply to your struggle and your trial? Maybe what you're facing isn't the real problem. Maybe it's what you believe about it that's actually the mountain that's keeping you from moving forward in your life. For those of you that were at camp last Sunday, I hope this wasn't repetitive, but rather my heart was to build off of what I shared. And definitely I gave you more detail and went a little further into the Old Testament. But that's what I have come to realize that Jesus meant when He said, if you have faith, you can say unto this mountain, be removed to yonder place and it should obey you. That He was saying, if you have truth, you can say to this it will expose idolatry. It will expose lies. It will say to this mountain, be removed, and it will obey you. The key to moving forward in a trial is not by getting the trial out of the way. It's by understanding and walking in truth, in the truth of it. When you know what's actually, you don't have to understand the trial itself, but understand what the truth about it is. And I think that's I think that is something that we can actually have, to realize that truth is not found in the situation itself, but truth is actually a person. It's in Christ. So when, when we place our faith in Christ, we're not just saying, okay, what's true about this right now? It's saying, I need to realize what's true about now so that I can actually be of the truth. No lie is of the truth. That's a statement that, that I believe it was Jesus, but it's found in John. 
Uh, it might have been John that said that. But it's in the Bible that no lie is of the truth. Uh, and so when, when Pilate was before Christ and he said, what is truth? That's the question you need to ask yourself. And so the phrase, truth will have its way, truth will go its way. Truth will go its way. Think about what we talked about, about removing a mountain. In the Old Testament, they threw down the high places when they came to realize the truth of God's Word again. So when Jesus went to Nazareth, and He went into the synagogue, and He opened the book, and He read the gracious words that we are probably all familiar with, where He said, I have come to heal the brokenhearted, and preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind. Then He closed the book, and He said, This day is the Scripture fulfilled in your ears. And then He said this, and He said, I'll tell you truth. I will tell you truth. And so the truth was that, and he referred to the Old Testament, he said there was many widows in Israel in the time of Elisha, but, or it might have been Elijah, but in, in the time of the prophet, but to only a widow of Zarephath was the prophet sent. That's true. That's the realization of reality. Only to a Gentile widow was the prophet sent. There was many lepers. This is another truth. There was many lepers in Israel in the day of Naaman. But the prophet was only sent to a Syrian, Naaman the leper. That truth collided with their system of religion because it was built on lies. And so what happened? How did they respond to what they thought was truth and lies? They had it completely opposite. But they took him, who they thought was a liar and a blasphemer, and had spoken against them. They took him to the brow of a hill. And that hill, that word hill, is the same Greek word that Jesus referred to when He said, you can move a mountain with your faith. And they were going to cast him down headlong. They were going to throw him off the mountain, which is very much in line with what we talked about this morning. But truth went its way. And when you decide to walk in the truth, truth will, will go its way. And the part for you is to have faith that whatever happens is the best possible thing that can happen. There's no alternative. And so I hope you can keep that in your mind and that it can speak to you this morning. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you.